Hello, my name is Daniel Lev Shkolnik, and this is Reenchantment, a podcast about finding wonder in a secular age. As a humanist, my faith lies in humanity, not in the supernatural. And if you believe that spirituality is fundamentally about cultivating the human spirit, then this podcast is for you. I've been talking a lot lately about community building. Last episode, I spoke with the president of American Atheists, Nick Fish, and he talked a lot about the importance about, of having communities of non-believers. Today, I'm talking with Bart Campolo, who has actually built and currently runs one of these kinds of communities. Early on in his career, Bart was an evangelical preacher, and since then, he is deconverted and says that hearing certain expressions of religiosity, like the ones he once believed in, are like nails on chalkboard for him. Now, he uses those same skills that he developed as an evangelical to gather people and inspire them to run a humanist community in Cincinnati called Cincinnati Caravan. He's also the host of Humanize Me. It's a podcast where he talks with various people about humanism. It is one of my favorite humanist podcasts, and I really, really recommend you go and check it out. Uh, If you like this podcast, you will almost definitely like Bart's. Again, that's Humanize Me, and you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. And now, my conversation with Bart Campolo. Bart Campolo, welcome to Reenchantment. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to be with you. So I want to introduce uh, listeners to, to who you are, how we know each other. So you are currently the humanist chaplain at the University of Cincinnati. Is that, that, is, right? that is true. And you are also the host of Humanize Me, one of my favorite podcasts. Well, thank you. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. I do, I do. It's it's been a kind of uh, guiding light for me just over over the years uh, since I discovered it. But also as I've you know begun doing podcasts myself, I, I look over it. Okay, what's what's how does Bart do his thing? How does he what does he do? And uh, you know, I've taken some notes. Well, it, it it's funny because I was not a big podcast listener myself years ago when my my friend John approached me and and what happened was I was complaining about I'm getting all these letters and emails from people asking questions and mm. I kind of as a personal point of honor I respond to every email wow and I'm just exhausted I can't I can't keep up mm-hmm. with all and and then this this article got put out about me in the newspaper and was that the was that the Mark Oppenheimer one yeah in the New York Times yes. magazine yes. And all of a sudden it was just like I was just answering all these emails from people, and my friend John said, you know what? He said, there's so often similar questions. You should just make a podcast in mm-hmm. which you talk about these different things with people, yeah. and then you could say to somebody who writes emails, you're like, hey, I've got an episode on that, or hey, I've got an episode on that. So it, was, it started out just a way to deal with a handful mm-hmm. of... but. Very quickly, I realized that if you wanted to kind of interact with people, and and all the same time I'm working on this podcast on the side, I'm trying to figure out this book that I'm going to write because people are like, Mm -hmm. that's how you communicate your ideas. You write a book. Mm -hmm. And it slowly dawned on me that not that many people read books anymore. <laughs> um, but a lot of people listen to these podcasts, and so they do. They do. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a great way of communicating, and also a way of creating co- community, disparate and dispersed community, but community nonetheless. Yes, I mean, d- depending on what your definition of community is, and and I've got three or four now. I used I used to have one narrow, like growing up an evangelical Christian, I had a very narrowly defined concept of what a spiritual community looked like. That sure. you know, a lot of different things, a lot of different things. Sure, sure. Well, so on this episode, I want to talk with you specifically about community, specifically about making community uh, among non-believers. And I, so I, I first met you at uh, NanoCon a few a few years ago, the Nashville Nons Convention, and uh, you gave a presentation about how how you were kind of going about 
gathering a it started out with, off with dinners i believe and kind of was was changing into a congr- a small congregation a small congregation that you know, of of a godless congregation yeah our, 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 it, it's called cincinnati caravan now it actually even has a name um i was gonna i was gonna ask but yeah that's a it did That's a great name. I took a long time to come up with it. I oh, yeah, you. I know. I know. Names are tough. And, and we all hate it. And, like, and then you hate it at the beginning. You're like, this is so contrived. It feels so foolish. And then after you use it for a few months, you're like, what else could we call it? That's right. the, way I, the way I feel about my children. I hated those yeah. names too. But, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is yeah, we, we started out just doing these potluck dinners. Mm-hmm. I, I, had sh- I had moved back to Cincinnati from Los Angeles after three years out there. My wife and I moved back to Cincinnati, and by that time we had the podcast, and there were all these podcast listeners in Cincinnati, and when they found that I was in town, they were like, hey, are, are you going to do something? Like you had that, that thing out at USC, that, uh-huh. that, 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 that group, are you going to do something like that here? And, uh, and I started, eventually there were so many folks that I was corresponding with, I was like, hey, everybody come to a potluck dinner, and we'll talk. Sure. And sure. so we started having these very regular potluck dinners. But it was funny, Daniel, because what we found was that the potluck dinners that had worked so well for these college students mm. didn't work well for grown-ups at yeah. all. Because it's a very scary thing to walk into a dinner and you sit down at a table with maybe six or eight people, but probably you're only going to be really engaged in conversation with the two or three people right around you at the table. And you don't know what you're going to get. And some of the people that were a part of our thing were very socially adroit. And mm-hmm. some of them were very socially inept. And so, it could, and so I, I, myself and a couple of the other people that were trying to make it happen, we would run around from table to table trying to kind of make the conversations. Sure, play, play, play the host, right? Yeah, just trying to make, things, yeah, make people comfortable. And it was exhausting for us. Just exhausting. Yeah. And... And we started to realize that it wasn't, I don't know, to use one of those new agey types of terms, it wasn't very life-giving for us. Sure, sure. And, and so you decided to transform the, the structure. I remember you talking about this. And, and, and so, what, so, yeah, talk, tell us what it, what it looks like now. Well, by, I mean, that like, time, by that time, I had like four or five people that were, I would say, the most, they were all former church leaders. They knew what a community should feel like or could feel like. And we all were sitting around one day talking about how exhausted we were by what we were doing and how much energy it was for, for, for kind of very, very little bang for the buck. And it wasn't the kind of thing that was going to grow. Mm-hmm. And one of them said, we, we, we spend so much time trying to get away from this whole church thing. But she's like, I liked church. Why don't we just admit that we're trying to build a church? Yeah. And, and she said, what I liked about church was there was content. You would go, and you didn't have to interact with all these people. You could sit and take it in, mm-hmm. and you could participate to whatever degree you felt like. And then afterwards, there was juice and co- cookies and coffee, and if you wanted to talk and, to people. And socializing time, yeah, yeah. And you had some content that you had just heard together, a shared experience that mm-hmm. you could talk about. Yeah and, yeah, and and another guy was like, I miss music, and we don't do any music at a potluck. And you know, so, so in the end, what we decided to do was to put together a tight hour mm-hmm. of content, of humanist and, content. And well, and, but that that also is not effortless. That that takes a good bit of preparation. It does. But here's the thing: it takes some preparation. Mm-hmm. But that's creative work. There, there's creativity mm-hmm. in that. Like, oh, what if we put a song between this and that? That would make a transition. And mm-hmm. and. And, and the guy who had been a music minister at a church was like, oh, I'd love to work on that. And then somebody's like, well, we could have a Mary Oliver poem here. And, and people were like, I love Mary Oliver. You know, and, like, you know, and, and somebody's like, what if we play, you know, what? And, and, and even me, who gives talks a lot, mm-hmm. what we ended up doing was we would sit around and we'd go like, okay, if this is the theme that we're talking about in this, in this meeting, if this mm-hmm. is a, a meeting about forgiveness or if this is a meeting about about how to handle gift giving at the holidays, like whatever was kind of coming up. Because the, the broader theme was just like my podcast broader theme, like how do I make the most of this life? Yeah. And so I would say like, okay, if that's what thing, what do you think we need to cover? And I would say, I think we should do this. And somebody would go like, yeah, but think about, 
this couple. They, they've mm-hmm. got this issue. And, like, yeah, yeah. And, and so four or five people would shape the talk and they'd be like, Bart, you give the talk because like you're good at giving talks. Mm. But everybody wrote the talk. And so for, that's, that's great. So yeah. for me, I didn't feel like I was like, I was the, the cult leader, like going, listen to my words of wisdom. I felt like I was yeah. delivering kind of a group mm-hmm. conversation and sort of going, here's some stuff we thought about that might, we think will be helpful. And, 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 and it sparked like a lot that. of different like conversation. That. Yeah. I like, I like that a lot because of the kind of, com- yeah, the communal message. It's not just one person's message. It's not just one person's mind. You have a, a checks and balances. You have kind of, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, and there, you have four other people that know your congregation in, in, in from different angles uh, than, yeah. than you do. And, 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 and so what ends up happening is, is that the planning is work. I mean, probably we spend two hours of planning time together for every hour of content time that we put together. And then there's all the stuff that you're doing in between to actually show up at those meetings ready. So there's a lot more work in the planning of the event than there is in the event itself. Mm-hmm. But those two hours are also interesting. And you, yeah. and you, get, yeah. and you get closer to those people. And then, mm-hmm. and then the hour, the other thing is like, I remember we, did, we started doing this and my wife and I would you set up the chair because at first it was in my, it was in my dining room. We clear out all the furniture and do it there, and 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 then we would have the people over over the two hours. Everyone clear out around noon, and uh, I would look at her and I go like, "So how are you feeling?" She's like, "Great, you want to go for a walk?" And I was like, "Yeah," and like we we had energy. Like we were like talking about, "Oh, remember when she said that? Remember when he did that?" And yeah. we weren't tired. The way after and these now, potlucks, now, we were exhausted. Now, is this does this happen every week? At first, it happened once a month. And then we sort of figured out that if you want to build a community, people need to see each other a little bit more often. And so then we started doing it twice a month mm-hmm. on the, gosh, it was the second and fourth Sundays of the month. And, and, and that, was, that felt like a good rhythm because we didn't want people to feel this pressure that, that you got to show up every week. And, and we were sort of like, mm-hmm. you don't have to show up any week. Like, mm-hmm. like that's the, we're going to do this thing. And, and, and even the five of us that created it, we're going to enjoy it. And so if yeah. nobody shows up, we're still glad we're here. Yeah. And so there's, there, it, it, takes away, it takes away a lot of pressure because what's funny is, especially for people that come out of church, once you create an expectation of showing up somewhere on a Sunday morning, people mm-hmm. can manufacture that I'm letting down God, even if they don't believe in God anymore. And so you have to really be careful to keep it light, to keep, yeah. you know, to not follow up on people. Where have you been? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, sure. Don't, 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 don't pressure them. I mean, it, it lends itself very easily to kind of an emotional manipulation in little, little tiny ways, dragging people back in. And, and so but, I, but the one, one thing, that, the beautiful thing is, since we're all volunteers, hmm. and there's not a, I mean, I mean, it costs something to do it. You know, the space, the coffee, and stuff like that, and people yeah. chip in a few bucks. But like, nobody's nobody's salary or identity depends on it growing. So like mm-hmm. if it, it did grow, it grew to mm-hmm. like 40, sometimes 50 mm-hmm. people. But like if it didn't grow, it yeah. didn't matter as long as it was really meeting the needs of the 30 or 40 of us that were there, which, which, which meant that there wasn't kind of this built-in pressure, get more people, mm-hmm. get more people, get more people, because that's, sure. manipul- that's where the emotional manipulation can get in is when mm-hmm. somebody's, when somebody's economically or emotionally tied to growth. Sure. Yeah. 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 Now I want to, I want to step back a couple of steps just because I, I think not everybody knows your full backstory. So you, you used to be an evangelical preacher. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. You were, you were, I grew up, I, I mean, I, be, I became a Christian when I was 15 years old in some hyper energized youth group. And you're, and you're, and you're, it wasn't just, just by, by chance. I mean, like your, your father was a big time, right. you know, evangelical, Tony exactly. Campolo. Yeah. He was, I was reading, actually recently I was reading Mark's uh, article upon, about you. And uh, there he, you know, says, he calls him one of the most important evangelical Christian preachers of the last 50 years. He wrote a lot of books. He was spiritual advisor to Bill Clinton at one point. He was a big name and, and you were, you were his son. And you, you did a lot of ministry work in, I believe, inner city communities. You did a lot of, I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, were very active. What's funny is, Daniel, you can grow up in a family of a famous evangelist, and that doesn't mean you believe in God. 
Like I like, sure. yeah, I liked my parents, but like th- th- that narrative didn't make sense to me. It didn't make yeah. sense to me until I got enveloped in a very loving community of peers. Mm. And I just wanted to be part of this group of kids. They were the nicest kids mm. I had ever met. And in the context of that group, I had a lot of motivation. Like, you know, I was praying like, Lord, if you're real, please show yourself to me. And then you have like these group experiences that are very powerful. And, and so that's how I came to faith. And yeah. so, so for me, Christianity, like the fellowship and the sense of purpose and mission and making things better for other people, that was the appeal, right? Mm-hmm. The going to heaven and believing in magic, that was the price, of admission. I, I wasn't into that, but I was, I, yeah. you, you went through that. So yeah, so I spent most of my life, most of my adult life as a minister in inner cities, serving Jesus among the poor and running around giving talks at big youth gatherings of 10,000 mm-hmm. people. And, and so, yeah, so, so I so knew. So you, you, you knew this life. I mean, you've, are you, how, how, how it is to, to kind of get people together, create a congregation, give an inspiring talk. And, and it also like to, to give some context as to why why four other kind of uh, church former ter- church uh, leaders and w- why why you might all want to kind of get together and to try and create something for non-believers because of the positives of these kinds of oh yeah and, and like when some people leave the church because like they're gay and the church made them feel like shit for their entire life or they're women and they felt oppressed and pushed down they're black and they're like this is a very racially weird group of people, whatever, or, or, or somebody just got like screwed over by a pastor or a youth pastor. Like there are lots of reasons why people have terrible experiences in church. I, I, I didn't have to go through any of that. Like these were the nicest people I'd ever been around. We went on right. trips and did wonderful things and there, was, there were exciting moments and, and a sense of purpose and belonging. And so when I left the church, it wasn't because I hated the church, it was because like the narrative didn't make sense to me anymore. Like I sort of thought my way out. And at that point I was like, okay, so where is the purpose-driven group of super nice people that are getting together and figuring out how to pursue love and goodness in a secular way? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find them. Yeah. I, 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 would go to, I would go to atheist clubs and they were all in debate societies and intellectual mm-hmm. or, or put down the Christian societies. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to like, can we talk about how to make this life work? Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, when I, when I started developing a profile, when people found out that this famous Christian leader had left, all these other Christi- ex-Christian leaders came to me and said, yeah, we feel the same way. We yeah. don't want to put it all down. We, we want a piece of that action. Like yeah. we, we want the good stuff of church without the craziness. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so, so I've always been around people that are, that are trying to, in a sense, capture the dynamism of those. And, and again, it's not just church, right? Like marching bands have the same vibe. Certain athletic teams are like that. CrossFit gyms, some of them so, have the soul vibe. cycle and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The energy, right? It's, and it's uh, not, there's no magic to it. It's, it's, there are very specific things that you do to build that kind of human energy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so the challenge for for you, for me, for for other others of us that are interested in in kind of creating that energy among non-believers, secular folk, is that well, there is there's there are several challenges. But uh, so you talked uh, with I believe Faith Hill, the reporter, or maybe you didn't talk with her, but you talked you talked about this Atlantic article that covered this kind of surge of secular congregations in the 2000s. And you had Sunday Assembly and Oasis. And it was like, all these people coming together. It's like, this is a great idea. This is awesome. This is seems like something that that people want. And then from 2016 uh, to 2018, there was a, a big drop off. It went from like 5,000 people a month to, to 3,000 and like 70 Sunday assemblies to 40 Sunday assemblies. And so there was, there was a big drop off. And so there are, and there are, there are a lot of reasons for why that happened, but there are the practical reasons, right? You, 
in the in the Christian church, you have you have two thousand two thousand years of infrastructure. Two thousand years, yeah. You have people that know how to bring people together, how to know how to put on exciting emotional services, and also you have well, and that, also and also how to do all the relational stuff in between. Like sure, like, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the service yeah. is just is just the show. Like the, a real community is 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 a, a network of relationships of mutual support and people encouraging each other to live according to a certain lifestyle. And uh, yeah, there's some, there's some, sure, there's some nuts and bolts stuff that go into that. But the other thing is, uh, most of the people that are doing that in the, in the religious realm are doing it professionally. Like there's an, there's yeah. an economic infrastructure so that they can do that for the rest, for their, during their day. Whereas yeah. the secular world has no such economic infrastructure to support this kind of work. There is yeah. no God telling you give 10% of your income to keep your secular fellowship going. Sure, um, sure. And so... The money, the money is a big part of it, but I, but I think the other thing that's a big part of it is a lot of the people that are, were doing it were people that either had no background in that kind of community building. They saw the niche, they saw the need, mm-hmm. but they, didn't, they had never done it themselves, or they were people who had had really bad experiences in church. Yeah. And so their mantra was, whatever the church does, we'll do the opposite. Like yeah. they have, char- they have charismatic leaders. We will not have any charismatic leaders. Right. They they make decisions this way. We'll make decisions this way. And yeah. the, pro- the the weird thing is, is that the church stuff it doesn't work because the narrative makes any sense or because the Holy Spirit gives them power. It works because like that's a really efficient way of building community. And so if yeah. you, if if you're like we're not going to do anything that is proven to work, we're going to do everything mm-hmm. the opposite of that. You're going to struggle. Yeah. And and right and and I think that's a huge part of why these kinds of uh, gatherings humanist atheist non-believers uh, struggle. And 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 I think so many people are are so skeptical of and and rightly so of charismatic leaders of getting really really emotionally entwined with with a community because that lends itself to manipulation. That lends itself to dangerous potentially dangerous behavior and at the same time it you are then missing out yeah i mean it's sort of, sort of like saying I, i'm very skeptical of romance because like there's so many stories of heartbreak and misery and oh, loneliness yeah. it's and it's so you so go painful like, yeah you know what i mean based on what i've seen about about romance i i just screw that i'm not going to do it and you like the funny thing is like there is a lot of pain and suffering around romance and people keep doing it because like there's a basic human desire for connection. And I go like, listen, I know you've had bad experiences with leaders and I know you've had bad experiences with emotional connections to other human beings. Like the alternative to bad leadership is not no leadership. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's some, you know, it's, it's trying to create it's, some it's, kind it's, of accountable. It's better, yeah, some better leadership. Better leadership. And, 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 the, and, the, and, and you go like, are, is there a way to sort of guard against some of the emotional abuse, negativity of, yeah, some people do it better than others. Like, mm-hmm. but, but there's just no substitute for human beings, mm-hmm. for human yeah. community. And you go like, this is the first culture that's ever existed among humans like in the last 50 years, where people kind of can economically get along without being significantly connected to anyone else. You, you, yeah. you, you know, we, don't, we don't need each other the way we did 50, 100, 200, 300 years ago. And people go like, yeah, so, you know, we've kind of, community now is an option for people. It's not a, yeah. not, not, a, not a physical necessity. But the truth is, if you study mental health, you would go like, it's not working out so well. You got a lot of anxious, lonely, depressed, sad people out there, um, sure, and, it's, sure. and it's no accident that. And, and so, so I see all the things people are skeptical about, mm. and I sort of go like, "I hear you. You're right. It's dangerous. It's weird. It's tough. Like, what else are you gonna do?" Yeah. Well, so okay, I'll, I'll push. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for a bit. You're right. We need community. We are social creatures. At the same time, there are now all of these other ways of creating community. You 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 go out with uh, friends for brunch. You go you go to your soul cycle. You go to your CrossFit. You you find you find your whatever community in a secular sphere. Why 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 should people go to a 
religious-like, spiritual-like uh, community for, 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 for that. And the uh, answer is, not everybody should. Like, that's yeah. the interesting thing. Like, for me, when I came out of Christianity, my, my faith in God died years before my fundamentalism died. Like, yeah. long after I had stopped believing in God, I still was trying to look, look for that one true path, the right way to live, that worked for everybody. It took me a long time to realize that there are a lot of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And that, for instance, for somebody who struggles with social anxiety or has aut- autism spectrum stuff going on, being a part of a fellowship like Cincinnati Caravan wouldn't be particularly helpful, wouldn't necessarily make their life better. They might really struggle with that kind, with the expectations of that group. And so like, I think in the bell curve, there's a lot of people in the middle who really... N- need and will thrive in is kind of like plain Jane community stuff that we're doing. But there are mm-hmm. other people for whom this isn't, this isn't the ticket. And, and like, I, I, I'm not, you know, somebody who goes like, I'm not, I don't want to be a part of something like that. I'm like, great. Are you doing all right? And they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm doing great. I'm terrific. Like, I'm not here to convince anybody that mm-hmm. this is the true path. I'm just like, this is something that's worked out for a bunch of my friends and I. Like, if, if your life's great, don't bother with it. If your life is sucking, if you're really lonely and sad, you might want to try it. It might not work for you, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. it works for a lot of people. Sure. And so, sure. and somebody says, well, I don't need your bullshit spiritual community, your humanist stuff, because like, I'm part of Soul Cycle and all my friends are there and we get hang out and we I'm part of Alcoholics Anonymous and we and I'm like great you should keep going to Soul Cycle like if that if that's if, you know like I don't care like I don't need sure, you to sure. I don't need you to join I don't need you to, to I mean for crying out loud Daniel if you're part of the First Baptist Church on the corner and believing in that narrative has caused you know is is causing you to become more patient with your husband or becoming more more generous with your children and you're feeling a greater sense of inner peace and somebody comes along and goes like look that person they're believing in an in an insane iron age mythology and i go like how's it working for them and they're like it's working great i go you should leave them alone like <laughs> as long as they're not hurting you like if they come and try to mess with your life that's a different thing but like sure I, I sure because me- you know, so, i don't mess with people I've got two two things that I want to follow up with there. The first, though, is okay. Maybe maybe not everybody is is down for congregations. Maybe that's not not for everyone. And so, what are some non congregational models of building you know non theistic community? Because there are there are other ways of of doing it. It seems. I mean, yeah, you're asking the wrong guy. Like, you know, like, <laughs> out, of your, like, out of your realm of expertise. It's like getting a surfer on your show and saying, like, so what are other ways to stay in shape besides surfing? The guy goes, like, I don't know. I've been surfing well, okay. a lot. Okay. Well, well, no, no, no. I, actually, you do know because you're doing, you're building community in a non congregational way with your podcast every week. That is a kind of community where everybody has their individual, they're individuals, they, they listen to it, they get maybe inspiration from you, guidance maybe, but then they don't, they don't, they're not part of a in-person community. Yeah, and, like, and the truth is, look, I'm an old man. I don't like the internet very much. I, I struggle with all that. I, I don't do any social media. Any social media that's done in my name is done by a buddy of mine. Like, I, I just, I'm not, that's not my world. And so, but but I, I work with college students, and so I have learned not to look down my nose at mm-hmm. online relationships. I yeah. understand that sometimes, like, there's some emo kid in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, and he can't find anyone in his town to relate to, and he finds this community online, and he, he's chatting with people, or he's texting with people, or he's online, and he feels like sure. these relationships are more significant to him than anything he's got going. So, like, I or, don't, or, an, or, an, or an atheist in Kentucky, or Mississippi, right, right, right. or Alabama. So, like, the, so like, I don't like. I used to say those aren't real relationships. Mm. Okay, real human relationships require physical proximity. There are certain things, and, and, and there are certain things that happen in physical proximity relationships, like where like people's heart rates match up with each other when they're interacting in simpatico, and you can pick up visual cues, and you can actually help. You can sit with people in silence when they need you to, and your presence makes a difference. You you can help somebody clean out their garage or whatever. Like you can bring them food. Like there's certain things. Like you, you're never going to convince me 
that online relationships, even though they have certain advantages over, right? Mm -hmm. They have certain advantages over in-person relationships. There's a convenience factor. And people sometimes are like, I can be real with these people because I don't have to, they're not my world, whatever. Okay. All I'm saying is, I'm not saying the other one is better than the other or realer than the other. I'm just saying like, this thing is for some people an absolute necessity. Mm-hmm. And that thing I do with my podcast, that's nice. And I'm glad, like, if you listen and you feel like, wow, that guy gets me and stuff like that, it's terrific. And, and you hear the conversation, you're like, this is edifying and building me up in my human goodness. Terrific. Mm-hmm. And even if you get on the Facebook thing and you're interacting with other people that listen to the show, that's great. And mm-hmm. maybe like when, we get, when COVID is over, we'll go to doing live events where we'll show up in a city and all the people that listen to the podcast in that city will come together. I've been to some of those. Yeah. But like a podcast like that, like it's, it's maybe a place where it's like a singles bar. Like it's a, maybe a place where people would meet people that they could have relationships mm-hmm. with. Right. But it, but it doesn't, is not itself. It's not the thing. Uh, yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. And, and I get that. I get that. And, and, and so um, all, all I'm saying is like the, those other forms and for people that like aren't into the thing that I do and they go like, mm-hmm. I get what I need online. A part of me goes like, that's great. I'm happy for you. And a part of me goes like, I hope you don't get cancer. <laughs> or, or if you, or if you do, or if you do like face some kind of real life struggle that you, you have a community. It doesn't have to be a community entwined with uh, whatever spiritual pursuit, but some communities, friends that'll have your back, friends that'll support you, go visit you in the hospital. Yeah. I mean, I hope um, you have that. And, and, and the problem is that, that building that takes a certain amount of intentional effort and time sure. not, and not ever not everyone has that and I mean, so if you're many spending people all your time on your computer dealing with some guy in australia who's your best friend you may neglect to make those investments that later on the guy in australia won't be able to to meet the need that you have so like all this online relationship mm-hmm. stuff where people are like these are my people and stuff like that i'm like hey mm-hmm. let's see how that works out for you when you're 74 because yeah. i have yeah. a feeling that those relationships will be disposable. Hey folks, it's time for another fake ad where I tell you about something I care about and not something that I've been paid to care about. Today I wanna tell you about the Spiritual Naturalist Society. And this is an online community full of really smart and deep thinkers that are interested in exactly the kind of things that this podcast is talking about. They are comprised of members from various different communities, secular Buddhism, naturalistic paganism, modern stoicism, humanism, basically communities and traditions of thought where spirituality is emphasized and supernaturalism is not. I've found a lot of like-minded thinkers in this society and I am a contributing writer to the website and also a supporting member. And if you remember Eric Steinhardt, I spoke with him in my episode on atheistic mysticism. He is somebody that is also a writer and member of the society. It's really just one of the most serious collections of thinkers on these subjects that I've yet found on the internet. And they have a bunch of really great resources on their website and Facebook page about different traditions and about different ways of thinking about being spiritual, but not religious. You find various articles also on practices and rituals that you can incorporate in your life. These are some of my favorites, and I found these to be among the most useful things on their websites. For example, they have a whole series of articles on attention practices, Buddhist meditation, which most people are familiar with, but also stoic meditation, uh, as well as practices like contemplation and introspection. And they also give daily practices, such as atheistic prayer or ritual ideas that you can do either by yourself or with others. So if you're looking to create a community like the one that Bart's describing in this episode, or you're just looking to deepen your own spiritual practice, consider going to the Spiritual Naturalist Society's website for ideas on how to do that. Not just to make a community, but to really deepen your own human spirit alongside those that you gather with. Their website is snsociety.org, and you can also find 
a link to their website and to their practices and rituals page on reenchantmentpod.com. It'll be in the show notes for this episode. And just a reminder, I don't make any money off the ads that I put into this podcast. All my support comes from listeners like you. So if you want to help me make this podcast and regain some of the lifeblood that I put into it every single week, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash reenchantment. And now, back to the show. So I, I recently did um, an interview with Nick Fish, the president of American Atheists, and he's he's very interested and knows the value of of community. And he go, he's going around and he's talking he's talking it up. And I w- was asking him like, what are the things that you've seen among humanist communities that 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 have caused them to succeed? And he said like one of the biggest things because because there are there are communities here here in New Orleans. There's a there's a NOSHA, the New Orleans Secular Humanist Alliance. Uh, they have been around for over twenty years. And, and, but what Nick told me is like childcare, a place where you provide care for kids, activities, education, a place for, to look after parents' kids. That is, that is one of the biggest things that you could do to, to bring in a diverse, age diverse group of people and, and then help you to build community along with doing other stuff besides just inviting a, a speaker, like uh, as edifying as an, and as inspiring as they may be. You have to have the community functions outside of just that. Yeah, it, it's almost like, I mean, you'd almost have to have some small groups and maybe a book group. Yeah. And you'd maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. and, and maybe you'd want to go on a trip or a retreat, maybe. Or, or maybe since you're all committed to like serving the world, you might actually find a project somewhere and all jump in a 16 passenger van and drive mm-hmm. down there for a weekend and help feed the poor or help protest mm-hmm. some kind of injustice. And you go, like, that sounds like a missions trip. And you go, like, yeah, it does. And that sounds like a church retreat. And you go, yeah, it does. And the childcare, that sounds like Sunday school. And you go, yeah, it does. And you go, yeah, Nick, I hear you, baby. <laughs> and uh, well, okay, so here is where I come to my next point. You mentioned that all of this, all this does, it, it takes effort. And right now, there is no real kind of economic infrastructure for people to 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 make money and make this their full-time life in the non-believing world. You do have that in the religious world, and so in terms of you were talking earlier, how you're not you're not going out and saying trying to convince people to come. You're not trying to say like, yo, you should you should be right, a part of right. this. This is this is the thing for you. There there are people in the religious world that are doing exactly that, and the advantage there is they are able to get more people, get more money, extend their reach, create more of these communities. It's it's it's. You can't deny that that is an avenue towards growth. That's right. That's right. And like, if it's, there are two ways to be sustainable. One is to increase your revenue, mm-hmm. and the other is to decrease your expenses. Mm-hmm. And so, what we do is we do what we can do in the time that we have to do it. And you go like, well, it's not going to grow that big. And you go like, yeah, you know what? Like, truth of the matter is, if it's about relationships, I don't really have that much time. For, I don't have time to have that many friends. Like, like, like I'm, I'm worn out with the people I already know. And so I don't, you know, I, what, the kind of growth I'm interested in, Daniel, is somebody like you coming through Cincinnati one day, coming to visit this thing and going like, gosh, that looks nice. That looks so nice. Like, uh, look at how friendly they're close to each other and they, they, they take care of each other's kids. And boy, that looks nice. You know what? I could do that in my town. Like, I could invite... I can invite people over and, and we could start something like that. And you go like, but then Bart's thing wouldn't grow. And like, mm-hmm. you might not even call it caravan. You might call it Freddie. And, and, mm-hmm. and you go like, yeah, what do I care? Mm-hmm. I'd be happy if, if, if you in your town, if you had 30 or 40 people that you were tight with and you were helping each other grow into better human beings and better citizens of the world, I'd be thrilled. I'd be like, wow. That's so great. And then if somebody comes through your thing and they go do it somewhere else, like, like it's sure, like rock and roll sure. bands. You go like, you know, how do you grow a rock and roll band? You don't. You, you get your five friends together, you do a great band, and if somebody's inspired by you, they don't go like, can I join the Rolling Stones? No, they go like, we're gonna start our own band. 
mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it's going to show their own personality and they're going to change it a little bit and that's okay. And so mm-hmm. like what I'm really, the, the kind of growth I'm interested in is, is people learning a skill of how to be together in a way that really transforms them in a positive way. Yeah. And like, I'm yeah. really interested in that. I'm not really interested in presiding over a empire. Um, sure. Or, 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 or in seeing anybody do that. But, but, the, but the money thing is really true because at some point, if our thing did grow to a certain point, you would need, you need somebody to put some, some hours in, even if it's just part-time hours and some money. And I think at that point, maybe that's your Dunbar number when you reach like 150 or whatever. Right. Um, and you can look up Dunbar number. It's a really cool concept. But, but, but my thought is that if you deliver an experience that is significant enough to people, they will put money into it. Mm-hmm. And so like I see this with National Public Radio. I see this with the Cincinnati Ballet. That, that I see this with the podcasts. Yeah. If you add enough value to people's lives, they'll like Sam, Sam Harris's podcast, like people go like, this is really valuable to me. And if enough people find value in it, they, they put some money into it. And so I don't think that, I think that the reason why secular congregations never have any money is because they usually don't last long enough to get good enough to become significant enough to people mm-hmm. that people are willing to invest. Not many people want to invest up front. Sure. Uh, but, sure. But, but like when something becomes really, really precious to you, mm-hmm. I, th- I, I, I think that, I think that, and like you said, the, the, the people in New Orleans that have been together 20 years, I, 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 there's a group down in, in Arizona, in Tempe, Arizona, and they have a building that they own together. And they've been doing this wow. thing for 20 some years. It's the, I think it's the greater, maybe it's, is it, it's not a Phoenix, it's Tucson. It's which Arizona State, Arizona State University. I don't know. All right, anyway, I, 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 should, I should know this because I've, I've actually spoken down there. But when I was down there speaking, mm-hmm. I was like, they, they wanted me to talk about community. I was like, you already have, look at you, each other. You've been together for yeah. years. Yeah. You have childcare. They, they had all the tricks. They had yeah, all the tricks. Yeah. And so, and, and you say like, but how do they sustain themselves financially? And you go, like, it's a big part of those people's lives. They, they support it for mm-hmm. the same reason people support their local little league. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Part of me worries that humanism and non, non-congregations of non-believers are going to be, forever be marginal for that reason. And Nick Fishes, who's trying to make big political changes, separation of church and state, go up against these huge Christian lobbies, he's he's feeling the the, the difficulty that that this kind of there's no grassroots there's no grassroots there's no grassroots network to support there's, yeah there there are no big donors there's no it's it's so like your your in terms of your efficacy in the world it it's it's harder to make a bigger difference. In these in these larger arenas, it is it is. But the thing is, is that that infrastructure that you're you're talking about that that you're going up against politically, the evangelical mm-hmm. like the evangelicals that like it's funny like because my dad is this major evangelical leader. He's just horrified. He doesn't even want to be called an evangelical mm-hmm. anymore. He calls himself a red letter Christian because he's like the evangelical mm-hmm. movement is so gone. He said those people don't follow Jesus. It's all about mm-hmm. you know power and money for them or whatever. Um, that movement like that took thousands of years. To, to build that, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that didn't just show up like three weeks after somebody opened a Sunday assembly. And so I think that, I think that the idea of thinking about humanism as a way of life, like, like a religion is a way of life, rather mm-hmm. than just as a philosophical perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like, like Nietzsche. Like Nietzsche, like, like you go like, where are all the churches of Nietzsche? Where are all the, a lot of people are influenced by Nietzsche's writings, but like nobody like organizes around that. It's just a, it's just a, it's a school of thought. It's not a way mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, that secular folks for so long have thought of themselves as a, as a school of thought. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they don't realize, like, it's, it's like they're trying to figure out why they can't compete with, like, it's, it's like 
the, the, the Philadelphia Flyers trying to figure out why they can't compete with the Chicago Bulls. And you go like, and the rest of the NBA. And you go like, because you're playing ice hockey. Okay, like if you right, want to compete right. with those guys, you actually have to like buy a basketball court, recruit some basketball players. Like you have to play that game. And the game that, that people see the church play politically is a game that is played by a group of people that's primary allegiance to each other is, is, is in-person relationships that are built on a, on a regular basis throughout the week or the month. And if you want to, and, and it is, a, and it is a lifestyle, as you said. It's it's not just how you think; it's how you how you move through the world. Yeah, and the, it's and applied the, and the, philosophy. Exactly, it's applied. They have, and they apply pressure on each other. And so somebody will go like, "Yeah, my, my brother-in-law did this, and I kicked his ass, and I I made I made a fool of him at Thanksgiving. I just I mm. did. I mean, he left crying. And and if you're part of a humanist fellowship like ours, somebody will go like, "Wow, that's that's kind of like that's not really." That doesn't line up with our value system. Like the thing we've been talking about, like, and you go like, they would apply subtle pressure and go like, could we rethink that? Like, mm -hmm. maybe you owe him an apology. And you go, like, but he mm -hmm. was wrong. And you go like, yeah, yeah, but it's not about right and wrong. Like, like it's about building relationships and it's about expressing compassion. I mean, like he can't help what he believes. Remember that talk we heard about how, you know, p people are shaped by their environments. And so I think, yeah, yeah, you know, what I mean? like it's a way of life. It's a way of relating mm -hmm. to people. It's a way of like, hey, I just bought myself a Ferrari Testarossa. And, and, and you sort of go like, wow, that's really interesting. Like looking at the world around you, like, was that the, in terms of the kind mm -hmm. of lifestyle that you want to build and the kind of world you want to see, was that your best investment? Yeah. And maybe it yeah. was and maybe it wasn't, but like it's, it's, it's about your life. And mm -hmm. I don't think the church is, or I don't think the secular world is ever going to compete with the church in terms of real world impact or real world influence mm -hmm. unless people are motivated and operating out of their lives rather than mm -hmm. just their worldview because like what what secular people do really well is like they send around emails to each other and then they sign each other's emails and they they, they go like oh, i agree with that i agree with sure. that you know a kind of a kind of active activism uh, what do they call slacktivism or, or you know slacktivism <laughs> but like but what it really is is it is they go like this is how the world gets changed we change everybody's mind we get everybody to agree with us and the truth of the matter is is that that's not how the world changes Sure, sure, exactly. Intellectual yeah. agreement is the is, is not that's not what what makes what makes uh, societies rise and fall. It's it's what happens in people's guts. Yeah, yeah. So another thing that I've been thinking about recently, and what if because the argument has been made many times that non non belief as a kind of glue is one of the weakest forms of. Of, of social cohesion. All, everyone agreeing uh, that they don't believe something doesn't necessarily mean that they believe in the same thing. And, and with your congregation, it's, it's, it's slightly different. I mean, with humanism, there, there is more of a center. You, it's about compassion. It's about love. It's about caring for one another. It's about improving yourself in, in a myriad number of ways. But there's, there's also a thought of maybe, maybe non-belief is actually a secondary identity, not a primary one. That you could be a non-believer in in the world, but not have that be the thing around which you congregate or make the center of your life. It's something. It's something I've been thinking about recently. Well, here's the thought. Okay, yeah. because like if you ask, like I was I was a evangelical Christian leader for thirty years, mm -hmm. and people always say to me, "Wow, when you when you." came out of that when I mean, you left that you must have lost all your friendships like you got must have felt incredible rejections of the christian people always say to me i'm so sorry what the church did you know like you kidding me all, all my old friends are still my friends hmm. and you go like why yeah, yeah. well because the kind of christians i hung around with weren't hung up on what you believed they they, hmm. they, they were more they were more progressive with that they were more care, caring about how you live and they were like he's the same guy they're like yeah. Like when I came out, when I told everybody, I don't believe in God anymore. They were all like, yeah, we knew that. Like, we were, like it was like coming out gay. They were like, we, we, we wondered when you'd figure it out. <laughs> and, and so what, what happened is, is that they, the primary identity that we had was valuing loving relationships and service to others and mm -hmm. rituals of gratitude and mm -hmm. appreciation for the, for the miracle of being alive. 
Yeah. But their belief system and my belief system, those were secondary identities. Because when I switched, they were like, okay, so you don't believe in God anymore. I'm like, that's right. And they're like, but you're still down with the whole relationships thing, right? You're still about making things better for other people. You still care about social justice. Like, yeah, 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 we're fine. And so, and, and so when we get together the Cincinnati caravan, you mm-hmm. go like, is that a community of non-belief? And you're like, no, it's a community of commitment to relationships and to making things better for other people and to cultivating that stuff. Now, the one thing that's really important here is, the really important thing is, is that when I get together to really think about being a good person, if you show up and you want to be a good person too, but you go like, and the way to be a good person is by praying and I know the Lord will fill you with his Holy Spirit and he'll transform your heart. That is like, that's like nails on a chalkboard for me. <laughs> like that triggers me, that like doesn't help me, that distracts me from the conversation. So in right. the end, what I end up wanting to say to those people is, I don't care as much, like it doesn't bother me that you believe that, but I don't want to hear it when I'm trying to process mm-hmm. an idea. And so on Sunday mornings, I would prefer you stay over there with all the people that believe in that narrative because then you can, you can refer to that narrative and, and everybody keeps their eye on the ball of how do we be better people. And over here, mm-hmm. we're, just, we're not going to refer to that narrative. Nobody's going to get triggered and we're just going to, like you say, mm-hmm. you know, how many times at Cincinnati Caravan do you get together and talk about why you don't believe in God? Never. Mm-hmm. It's taken sure. for granted, right? Sure. And that's yeah. and because we don't have to talk about that nonsense, we can talk about all the things that really matter. That's why I would yeah. never join a Unitarian Universalist church because they get together, they welcome people of all different narratives, and mm-hmm. all they do is end up talking to each other about like, well, we believe this for this reason, we believe this, and we respect you, and we respect you. And I'm like, There's, that's beautiful. I would like to do that mm-hmm. once a year, get together with everybody and go like, we respect you, we respect you, we respect you. But man, I don't want to do that every week. That's just exa- that's just distracting and exhausting. I want to sure, be sure. And, and like when my kid when, when when my father dies, which will happen someday soon, right? He's an old man. Mm. I don't want somebody comforting me out of that narrative. I'm going to be vulnerable, and so I want you to comfort me, but I don't want you to say things that are going to that are going to what. What? No. Right. Like, I don't want you to tell me like he's in a better place or something like that. I want yeah. you to grieve with me my way. So yeah. it's a secondary identity, but there are moments at which it's very, very important to be with people who not only value what you value, mm-hmm. but see the world the way you see it. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's very well put. And I think, I, I think you're, you're getting at exactly what I was trying to express, that as most, if you're just getting together because you're you're a non-believer, because you're an atheist, that's not going to be enough. It doesn't give you, you enough need, in common. Right, right. Yeah, just just like you said, you went to atheist groups and it was just a, a put down religion groups. Put it was making fun of others. If if you have instead human beings at the center, if you have values, very clear and and positive values, that that's something to to gather around that's a fire around which you can gather for warmth in the darkness and that's going to keep people together now i don't want you to get me wrong though dan i don't want you to get me wrong okay because just like you could have that wonderful community and there might be a bunch of people in there that are survivors of sexual assault Mm. they get a lot of upset and anger and stuff like that and you go like might you end up creating a subgroup for those people where they get together and they process that stuff. You might. You might, you might have some people in that group they're real who got real they're really pissed at the church. The church screwed them over. And they mm-hmm. and sometimes in the in, in, you're getting together to talk about all these positive things and positive agenda and something comes up and they go like, "Well, then then this." And I don't want to you don't want to say to them like, "Hey, stop that. You're not allowed to do that. That's not mm-hmm. appropriate." Like, cuz it is appropriate. It's part of their part of their human experience. It's part of their growth. But you, sure, sure. So, so you may end up having to have like a recovering from religion group that meets yeah. afterwards and, and, or on Wednesday I was, night. I was going to say that, that even, yeah, in my, in, my, in my notes I, I wrote down like, well, 
technically, actually, being formerly religious is itself a center of gravity. Being post-Christian, those who want to, those who have emotional hurt, or yeah, have common issues. I I think, what is it? It, There's there's, uh, Oasis, one of the uh, the kind of non-religious congregations. They're strong in Utah because there's so many ex-Mormons that want to congregate, that want want to seek out one another because... Being formally religious, that itself is a center of gratitude. And so, and so the thing is, is that there's two ways that people connect. One is on the basis of like, this is what we went through together. This is what we have in common of our past. And then there's another thing. It's like, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I don't think that this is what we went, th- like the, the, this is what we went through is necessary. Got to do that. But it's not sufficient, Right. There also has to be a vision of where we're going, who we're trying to become. Mm -hmm. So there has to be not only a shared experience, but also a shared value system and a shared direction. If you want to, if you want to stay together, because after a while, if you're just processing the past, when people are done and people, people, that's a stage of grief. Like when you go through a bad experience, you process it. You're angry. You're in denial. You're da, 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 da. And then you come, you come to a place to where, like, where, where maybe you, you've, it's no longer the center of your life. Like you've, you've processed it to a point. It's, you, it's no longer a wound. Now it's a scar. And you don't want to stay in that. You don't want to talk about yeah. it every week, right? Yeah. So, so if that's all you're doing together, when you graduate from that conversation, you graduate from the group. Yeah. But if the group has this other identity, then you go like, okay, over here we're, we're processing that particular pain. Mm-hmm. But over here, like you can graduate from that and you can just be part of like every, the rest of the people, some of whom had your same experience and some of whom had very different experiences, but they're all going in the same direction. And you keep that group going because like, guess what? You're going to pick up new people that are fresh off the boat and yeah. they're going to need and to process need, their stuff need, all over again. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Bart, thank you so much for uh, taking this time. Uh, I think you... you 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 are in it. You've been doing this for all your life, and there's it's 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 a hard thing to do to bring bring non-believers together in community. And I think much many of us are tr- still trying to figure out how to do it well. But now's a good um, time for this conversation, Daniel, because we're theorizing. And the damnable thing about this moment is that's about all we can do. Like yeah. our little gang that thrives on getting together. Like you go like, how's it going in COVID? And you go, Right. right. We tried to do that virtual stuff, but like it didn't work. It's not for us. That's not like, yeah. like, it, like it's like it's it's like it's the opposite of why we started in the first place. And we tried it and and we had some wonderful times together, but like in the end the same amount of energy was going into it, but we weren't getting any kind the same kind of feed, feeding or feedback. Yeah. And so this is a hard time. It's like a lot of things in COVID where people go like, "Well, how do you avoid spending too much time on your computer?" And the answer is, you, you kind of can't. Like, yeah. I sp- I'm, on, I'm in front of my computer all day long, talking yeah. to people. And so counseling with people, you know, setting up stuff. And, and so I think, I think there's a moment where you go, like, in this moment, people are going to struggle. Yeah. Because they are cut off. And, and it's kind of like you dance with who brung you at this moment. Like, if you have those relationships... Mm-hmm. You can you can keep going, but if you don't, this is a very hard time to build those things. And this would be a very almost an impossible time to start a community like the one we've been talking about for the last hour. Yeah, yeah. but that but that uh, moment that moment's not going to be forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any 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 kind of tips or ideas or you know, for for those those seeking seeking community now or those thinking about, okay, when COVID is done, how do I build something like this? Yeah, advice I, got, I got two pieces of advice. And one is, a lot of what we've been talking about could broadly be understood under the, under the category of tone. Mm. Like, like, like you, you could get me with, like, Matt Dillahunty, who I love. Big mm. secular guy, like, fire-breathing, uh, super smart, you know, guy. Mm-hmm. And Matt and I probably wouldn't disagree on almost anything. Mm-hmm. But we have a very different tone, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and for instance, if we, ran it, if we walked into a church with a bunch of evangelicals, which we did once together, <laughs> we, they responded to us very differently. 
And so I think now is a good time for you to figure out if, if you're if you're hungry for this is, is to at least like sort of experiment with some different tones like somebody might listen to a podcast like mine and then they might listen to like the dogma debates with david smalley mm-hmm. and they both i think have something good in the world but they might go like this is my main course and that's my appetizer and my dessert or this is my main course and that's my appetizer and dessert right sure Sure. And it's terrible. We're on a podcast, and I'm using I'm using hand signals. I know. I was I was thinking I the same I thing. I suck. I suck. <laughs> um, but but they're two different things, and, and and I think this is a good time to sort of figure out your language, your mm-hmm. tone, to articulate your values, to in a sense to figure out what you're looking for, and to be able to talk about it and think about it, and to hear somebody else talking about it and going that that's it. That's it. Yeah. Like you listen to the Alain Dubaton at the School of Life. You listen, like you listen to different people, and you go, like, "No, that's it." You listen to Sakuvu Hutchinson, kind of the this this Black Lives Matter humanist leader, and, and you go, "No, no, that's it." And you figure out like who your tribe is in the broader sense. So then, when the time comes to organize, you can be like like one of those bandmates that puts up the poster that says. Band, new band starting. We'll play Devo and other ho- kind of electronic stuff from the 80s. Or new band starting. We're going to play R&B and Motown stuff. And, and you're able mm-hmm. to sort of say, this is what I'm about. And then the right people will gather around you. That's my one piece of advice. Mm-hmm. My second piece of advice is this. The content that I'm talking about, every individual community doesn't need to be able to come up with all of that by themselves. There's plenty of content in the world. So like if you don't have somebody in your group that can give the talk like I give at Caravan most of the time, it doesn't matter. Like you get people together in your living room and if you wanted to, you just go on the Caravan website and you'd pull down like the talk that we gave last month. You go, like, yeah, that works for us. Like we'll just have that. We'll just listen to that talk or we'll, li- we'll get the transcript of it and we'll just, one of us will read, you know, one of us will we'll, we'll add our own spin to it. Like you can steal content. And not just from us. You can steal it from all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. What's important is inviting the right people, right, the right five or ten people into your living room and going through the experience together. And so I don't want people to get the idea that you have to be a content creator to be a community builder. You okay, don't. You really don't. But what, but what, you, what you do need to do is you, you need to um, be some – you need to be – somebody who's willing to put some intentional effort into be, making it happen for other people. You have to be, you have to be like a party thrower. Like, like mm-hmm. I th- when I throw a party, like, do we play good music? We do. Do we, mm-hmm. do we write that music and perform it ourselves? We do not. Like, there's plenty of music out there, but somebody has to curate it. Yeah. And so yeah. To, to think of yourself more as a curator rather than a generator uh, is probably going to take a lot of the pressure off for a lot of people. That's excellent advice, Bart. That's excellent advice. Uh, I hope this last... conversation was, was not th- as, as bad as I'm, I, I worry. When I talk this much, I go, like, I must have said a bunch of stupid things. You said a lot of things. Uh, I think uh, the people listening will be the judges. Of, All right. Uh, well, that's a nice quality. way of saying you probably did say some stupid things, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you. I won't, I won't weigh, weigh in on it. Last, last little bit, I'd like to ask guests for a word for, for the Athosaurus, the Atheist Thesaurus. Basically, there are so many words out there regarding deep and spiritual emotions that are loaded with spiritual baggage. Do you have anything that you use that maybe is is removed from that baggage? Doesn't have a, a kind of Christian or religious connotation, but conveys yes, something yes. deep. Okay, when we started this thing out, we were talk. We had three core core values that I've shared with you, like to cultivate loving relationships, to to to, to serve others and to care for other people in the tribe. And, 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 to, and to cultivate practices of gratitude and, thank, and, and wonder because those things tend to cause, those three things are very data-driven, proven to cause human beings to thrive or at least mm-hmm. human beings at one part of the bell curve. Mm-hmm. We have a fourth value now mm-hmm. and, and we call it worldview humility. And worldview humility is the understanding that you have 
that even if you even even if you believe that your secular framework and your rational approach and your science-driven understanding of the world is in fact the truest one mm-hmm. the humility comes in in recognizing that even if it turns out that it is true that's mm-hmm. not why you believe it mm-hmm. you believe it because the way you were raised and the experiences that you have set you up to be able to believe it. Mm-hmm. And if you had been raised in another environment, somewhere else, with a different set of circumstances, you would be unable to believe that is true. And in fact, you would absolutely believe something else was true that you now think is ludicrous. Mm-hmm. And so when you encounter a hardcore evangelical Christian, it's not to look down at that person. You're like, oh, they're so stupid. They're so unenlightened. They're so this. It's to recognize that they believe what they believe for the same reasons that you believe what you believe. Mm. And that is because life has, has placed you in a position where, where believing those things is possible for you. Yeah. Or, or almost impossible to not believe those things. Exactly. Exactly. And once you do that, it doesn't mean that you think they're right or that their worldview is equally makes sense to you. you mm-hmm. you're, if you thought their worldview made sense, you would adopt it. You, like, sure. this is what works for you. But there's this, there's this sense in which we sometimes treat people as though they choose what they believe and that we just need to reason them out of it and show them to make a different set of choices. But if you are scientific and if you are rational and if you study the data and if you know about people and if you study human behavior, you will quickly learn that people do not believe what they believe because they chose it. Yeah, yeah. But for, rather for all sorts of other reasons that are well beyond our ability to control. And so yeah. it's, just a ma- it's just a matter of going like, okay, like I still think you're wrong. But I, I recognize that if, if in fact I'm right, I'm lucky mm-hmm. rather than superior. Yeah, that's a, that's a great perspective. Worldview humility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you can popularize that one, if, you, like, if, if that was my contribution to the world, I, I would, not me, but my, my gang, because we, we all worked it out together. But like, if, if, if that could be our contribution to the world, we would be very pleased. All right. All right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start the proselytizing. All right, brother. It's great talking okay. to you. Thanks so great much for having you, me. Bart. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for listening to Reenchantment. All the links mentioned in this episode will be on the website at reenchantmentpod.com. Go to the show notes tab and you'll find links and notes referenced in this episode. You'll find a link to the Humanize Me podcast. That's Bart's podcast, as well as his uh, society, Cincinnati Caravan. He also mentioned the Dunbar number, and I'll uh, put a link into the show notes explaining what that is. There is also going to be a link there to the Spiritual Naturalist Society, and particularly their page on practices and rituals that you can do on your own. Lastly, if you find value in this show, please consider supporting the time and energy it takes to make it by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash reenchantment. And if money isn't a way you can support the show right now, another way to give back is to share this episode with one person who might find it of value. If everyone shared an episode with just one person each week, it would make a huge difference. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time on Reenchantment.